Welcome to the Southland Podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. We trust that this podcast will encourage and equip you in your walk with God. All right. Hello, everybody. Bethy and I are thrilled to be with you guys, and uh, she's going to join me here. That's your microphone, my love. And uh, most of you, I think, are new faces to us. Uh, Some of you we've met before, but many of you we have not. And uh, we're really honored to be a part of the couples retreat at uh, this camp. Isn't this a great place? It's been a few years since I've been here. And uh, where are we? At Southland. And uh, what did I say? Did I say the wrong camp? This camp, we're at Southland Christian Camp right here in uh, somewhere in Louisiana, and uh, just it looks great around here. I haven't been here in, a, in some months, and uh, man, it's absolutely beautiful and uh, just gorgeous. We're going to start a series for you, and uh, we got these uh, just a couple of days here together, and we're going to start a series, and we're going to call it Advancing Your Marriage in Every Stage of Life. I'm assuming if you're here, you're married. Is that... Is that a safe assumption? And I uh, always got to be aware of those things. We're going to talk about advancing your marriage in every stage of life. So get your notes ready. And if you want to turn in your Bible, the text we'll use tonight is 1 Peter chapter 3, all right? So we'll give you a couple of moments to locate that. And uh, then we're going to introduce our family to you. I think they're trying to get everything connected there in the, the booth. Did it, did, is it my finger you need? <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have given you the passcode. I am so sorry. How about that right there? There we are. There we go. I had a little technical difficulty. My computer was was not working with the system, so we're going to plug it in directly. But uh, Bethany and I have been married, uh, how long have we been married now? 20, almost 29 years. And August will be 29 for us. We have five young'uns. Uh, we're the young, so our kids are the young'uns. <laughs> Sounds like a bluegrass band, doesn't it? <laughs> Dave Young and the young'uns. But uh, our, uh, our kids are all over. We have a daughter. Our oldest is married to David. And uh, they're on staff at the college in Lancaster, California, West Coast Baptist College. He's a professor, and our daughter serves there in the ministries of the college and the church. And then our son, um, Joshua, is the youth pastor. He's married to Bethany. He's a youth pastor at Horizon Baptist in Camarillo, California. And uh, they're expecting our first grandbaby in August. Isn't that awesome? And uh, we're excited about that. A baby girl, and she's, uh, she's supposed to be here in August. So we're thrilled about that. We put a lot of money into those weddings. Don't y'all think it's time? I mean, like, let's get with the program here. Pick it up. And uh, so we're really excited about that. Josh and Bethany have a great ministry there. And uh, that's uh, we never dreamed. We never dreamed our kids would be in a ministry in California. And, uh, but we have two there. And then uh, our Matthew is in uh, Odenville, Alabama. Here they are. There you can see them. That's Abby and Dave on the end. And then next to mom are Joshua and Bethany. Bethany's, uh, her dad is a pastor in uh, Greenville, Greenville, Texas. And uh, that's, uh, that's th- those two. Here on the end is my Matthew and his wife, Kareth. Her dad's a pastor in Colorado. Matt and Kareth, uh, he's the youth pastor at New Life Baptist Church in Odenville, Alabama. And uh, we're just loving this. We have two kids in California in churches and one in Alabama. And it's just great. He just, he's just, he's all in in Alabama. I wish y'all could hear him. Uh, he's just like, Dad, we're having a great day over here in the ministry, and I just love it, absolutely love it. And uh, I'm a Tennessee Volunteer fan, and uh, my son's a Roll Tide fan. How many of y'all agree that's failure? I mean, right there is failure, <laughs> but uh, we're okay. Next to me there is Jacob. He's a freshman at West Coast Baptist College studying for ministry, and Charity is somewhere on the property. Uh, she's here with us. We don't know where she is, but but she is here, and she is uh, she's 13 years old and uh, in the eighth grade, and gets to, this has been a good year for her. It's her first year to where well, it's the, this year our you know our son went to college, so Charity's by herself with us, and we do a lot of couples retreats, and uh, she gets to go. This is just exciting. And I told her today, I said uh, you could come in here me teach, and she was like, mm, yeah, no thanks. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she opted not to, but she's out and about, so you'll probably see her around some this week. And uh, that's our family right there. Don't they make us look good? Amen. And uh, we, are, we are thrilled about them. How many of you listen to our podcast? Any of you listen to the Keeping It Young podcast? Uh, our son-in-law decided that we need to do one with charity and call it Keeping It Youngest. And uh, so we're not going to go that far. But uh, if you don't listen to it, we hope you will. But we're kind of going to follow that format a little bit. Bethany and I uh, have been teaching couples together for some time now. And we don't always do it together. But uh, we just thought we would, we would come together to this retreat and partner together 
And uh, we're going to start here. You ready? First Peter chapter 3. Are you all ready? And let's just jump into God's Word. Any, anything I miss about the family there? Are we good to go? All right. How many of you are familiar with First Peter chapter 3? Are you familiar with it? This is one of those texts, you know this. If you're going to talk much about marriage, there's some text you have to go to. Uh, do you know of any others besides First Peter? Ephesians 5, maybe, Colossians, 1 Corinthians 7. There are just some texts you have to cover, and this is one of them. And uh, I don't know that I'll read all seven verses, but, but uh, notice in the context. Are you familiar that in 1 Peter, the context of this book is he's writing to believers who are suffering? And I thought, that's kind of funny because we're talking about marriage tonight. Uh, that's not the point. But the point he says to the believers who are really going through great persecution is that as believers living in a world that's falling apart, is what he's saying, as believers living in a world that's troubled, where there's tragedy and trials and heartaches, what he says is it's imperative that you and I who are believers live the Christian life. It's one of the, one of the arguments he's making. It's imperative because we're, we're Christians, because we're believers, because the world around us is falling apart, because there's, there's persecution, there's tragedy, there are trials, we must be the Christians we ought to be. And, and what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3 is this, not only should we be the Christians we ought to be, that's chapter 2, in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, in chapter 3 he says, we should have amazing marriages that are different than the world around us. And so notice, notice how he says it in, in chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise, you wives, likewise meaning, of course, uh, back to chapter 2, as you're living this Christian life in this messed up world, likewise, wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that, and it's almost like he's saying here, even if any obey not the word. Uh, wives, this is how you're to live, and especially if your husband doesn't obey the word. He says, uh, that they may also be one, they, they also may without the word be one by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." Then he gives an illustration in verses 5 and 6, and he picks up again for those of us men in the room with another likewise. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, how many of you all know these verses, do you? All right, are they familiar? Uh, someone gave me an article this week in a magazine that I thought was uh, or in a newspaper. Uh, brought it to our church. We just finished a meeting in, in uh, Chicago. And uh, this uh, article is entitled, Fewer People Are Getting Married. Why? It's a valid question. I asked my wife this today. Out of, out of 1,000 people in the USA, how many of those do you suppose are getting married now? Out of 1,000 people. I'll, I'll give you this, this hint. In China, uh, right now, in well, this is 2020. In 2020, the rate of marriage in China was 5.8 marriages per 1,000 people. Is that not kind of shocking to you? 5.8 marriages per 1,000 people. Now, to be, to be fair, that was in the 18 to 35 age category. This, this, uh, the China Daily said, here's the reasons why. Uh, there's a high work pressure, there's great improvement in women's education level and thereby economic independence. And also, the China Daily says, uh, the fact that Chinese men outnumber women by close to 35 million men. And the result is that in China, only 5.8 people are getting married out of 1,000 in the 18 to 35 category. How many do you suppose are in the USA? I mean, I asked Bethlehem this today, and I asked my daughter Charity, and Charity said, ah, 300. My wife guessed five to 600. Four to five. Four to 500. I thought it was half or less. Okay, she was, she was going half or less. What, what would you all think? How many of y'all would say more than half? Anybody here say more than half? How many of y'all say uh, uh, 400? Anybody here go 400? Uh, 300? Uh, all right, less than 100? Anybody going less than 100? All right, here's what's shocking about it. According to this newspaper, uh, this is John Mack something another, and I can't say his last name. But according to this author, in the United States of America, the marriage rate now is 6.1 per 1,000. 
six people out of a thousand are now getting married. Do you know that's the lowest rate in the last 150 years? Now, 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 honestly, does that not sound a little strange to you? Are you kidding me? And yet, here's what I notice in 1 Peter chapter 3. You ready for this? We're not the first generation that's needed help with marriage. You know why I wrote these words? Because in their generation, they were struggling too. The marriages were falling apart. Women didn't know how to be the wife they ought to be. Men didn't know how to be the husband they ought to be. And, and really, it was taking a great toll on their society. You do know, don't you, that uh, Christianity has always been counterculture. Did you know that? And so what Peter's doing here is Peter's writing to us to say, in a world like ours, how do you make a marriage work? In a world like ours, here's even a better way to say it, how do you win at marriage? How many of y'all like to win? Are, are y'all, anybody here like to win? Any, how many of y'all are married to somebody that likes to win? Any, anybody like that? Uh, you even got the shirt, winner right there. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Um, <laughs> Uh, th this is interesting because this article just goes on here and, and talks about how that in our society, uh, li listen to this one, one, one paragraph, because society has moved from the idea of covenant marriages to contractual marriages, uh, the one, you know, refers to how it would be done religiously, personally, and devotionally, or how marriage has always been done in the past. The latter, a contractual marriage, the latter, he says, uh, it refers to the way marriage is done now. And according to the author, uh, this is how he says it. This is, this is just shocking. Marriage today is the worst legal contractual liability that a man can enter into. So most men in our society don't want to get married because now we're not, we, don't, we don't have covenant marriages now. We have contractual marriages. And according to this author, for a man, that's a lose-lose. And yet the whole point of this, this whole thing is he makes the, the point, if you read the whole article, that really the way we're doing marriage in our day, everybody loses. Uh, nobody's winning. The man's not winning. The women aren't winning. Uh, because we're failing in marriage, according to this ar article, our depression rates are higher. Uh, we're struggling gr in greater ways with, with all kinds of emotional health issues. Brothers and sisters, Belty and I are here to tell you that marriage is worth winning at. Did you know that? And it's, anybody can win. You know that, don't you? Anybody can. You can. Now, here's what we know. When Belty and I teach on marriage, what we know is this. We don't know y'all. So for all we know, y'all have like A-plus marriages, and like all is just great. I mean, it's just great, all is great, all is well. But, but honestly, one of the things we've discovered in any time we do a marriage retreat, it can be a little shocking sometimes how, sometimes how far from God we are and what God would want us to be in our marriages. We really can struggle in the church. We know the songs, we know the hymns, and we're right because, you know, we're, well, we're right. <laughs> Uh, you know, some of your independent Baptists, and, and, and of course, we're, you know, independent Baptists are right. We know that. Because if they weren't, they would change, and they never change. That's how we know they're right, all right? I mean, right? And so, <laughs> wow, we could have revival right here. Um, but but, but here's, the, here's the whole point it may be that everything is great in your marriage. And if everything is great in your marriage, then really all this is going to be for you is just encouragement and blessing. And, Amen. And, but some of you, things aren't great. Yeah. And what Belt and I pray are, are praying is that this will be direction for you. And can I say this gently? If things are wrong, this may be correction. Yeah. But did you know if you'll take direction and correction, anybody here can win? Did you know that? That's what he's trying to say right here. So uh, I, I got some things for you here on the screen. Let's, uh, guys up there in the, uh, in, in the sound booth, um, uh, give, us, give us this first screen here and think about this. How would you rate your marriage? Would you say our marriage is unsatisfactory, below average, average, above average, very good, or outstanding? Now, just think. Don't answer out loud. <laughs> yeah, how many of y'all have, have an idea in your mind? You have something in your mind where you would put yourself. Let me see your hand. You got something in your mind? Now, I want to ask you a different question. All right, a different question. You got to look at it. Okay, you got your answer, yes or no? Okay, what would your wife say or your husband say? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I hope they say the same thing as you. But listen to me. If you're thinking, you know, our marriage is uh, above average, but your spouse is thinking, you know, we're below. 
Here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Go with Because really, if your spouse isn't where you are, the two of you need to get on the same page. Is that fair? Or you could think of it like this. Give us that next screen there. Look, look at it like this. Are you an amateur, a novice, learner, skilled, or expert? I, I'm just curious. Anybody here, anybody here go with, we're experts? I mean, just out of curiosity. I don't think it'd be for anybody to take you up on that, but I'm curious if anybody here would. I'm, I'm looking in this direction over here at the winner. I'm looking at the winner, but... He's not going with it. He's not going with it. His wife is definitely not going with it. Uh, I'm just kidding. She, she didn't, didn't react there. Uh, where would you put yourself or where would your wife put you? How about this next screen there? Uh, think of it like this. Good, better, best. Never let them rest until the good is better and the better is best. Can't we all move into that little poem? If things are good, let's make them better. If, if things are better, let's make them best. And, and really, I don't care where you are tonight or how long you've been married. The fact of the matter is um, we're always needing improvement. Is that fair? And uh, so I think Beth and I have a great marriage. You, you agree with that, don't you? Not quite that expert stage, but we're aiming that direction. Oh, I think we're really close. Really close. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I like you. I like you. I'm going to take her home with me. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, I mean, we study marriage all the time. We teach on marriage. We work on ours. But the fact of the matter is we never arrive. You know why? Because our lives keep changing. Are, are, are your lives that way? Remember, how many of y'all newlyweds? Any newlyweds in the building? Any newlyweds? All right, we got some newlyweds here. Newlywed, that newlywed stage is a pretty awesome stage, isn't it? Like we're newlyweds. And then uh, the next, what's the next stage? You kind of find out, oh my goodness, we're having a baby. And then the, that, that kind of changes things. That's a new stage of life. Your wife's hormones will shock you. And you'll be surprised. Things you'll do you never thought you would do. You'll be going to McDonald's at 2 a.m. to get fresh fries. And I learned this when my wife was expecting, she always craved, Bethley craved two things. She either craved burnt hot dogs. She did. We lived in an RV. We had a fifth wheel and we discovered you could crank up the propane uh, oven in the fifth wheel, throw, throw hot dogs in there and burn them. It worked. And uh, she loved burnt hot dogs. And then in some of the pregnancies, she craved fresh fries from McDonald's. Many nights I've driven in strange towns in a revival. You know, my wife's craving. I'll go to this McDonald's, go through the drive-thru. And if it's a lady on the other side and I say, uh, ma'am, uh, I need fries. And I mean, I really need them fresh. I mean, I need you to drop them, cook them, hand them to me hot and salty. And, and I say, it's for my wife who's pregnant and craving them. And I will tell you, you get a girl there, you get a lady there, you can get all the fresh fries you want. I mean, it's just, if you get a guy, they're like, are you serious? Uh, but, but we did it many times, didn't we? And then, then you have another stage of life, don't you? Children. How many of y'all have children? Aren't they great? They come into your life and stay. <laughs> they eat your food. They're expensive. And then they grow up. That's another stage, isn't it? The empty nest. Uh, grandchildren. How many grandparents? How many have grandchildren? How many of y'all like your grandchildren better than your children? Any, any, any like that? That's a given right there. Wow. And then there's other stages, aren't there? There's, um, I always want to say menopause, but you always say perimenopause. That's a new stage, isn't it? Menopause, that's a new stage. How many of y'all know about that stage? That'll change your life. That's a good stage. There's midlife. Anybody here battling that midlife crisis? We, we laugh about it, but midlife crisis. Did you just say you were? <laughs> uh, that, that midlife crisis will catch you off guard. Did you know that? Guys, we don't like to admit that because we're men. Men, we, we don't feel nothing. But that's a real stage, isn't it? There comes a stage in every one of our lives as we start getting older. You know, how am I doing as a dad? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I, I start slowing down. I don't have the energy I had at one time. Uh, and, and, you know, some guys get to that stage and, you know, the, the general idea is, you know, they buy a cool car and get a new wife. And, and that's a really dumb way to handle midlife, by the way. Right? But it is real. And then there's, there's disease, death. There's, we went through in the last couple of years, the loss of Bethlehem's parents. And her dad now is in heaven. And then mom followed two or three years later different stages of life. And, and here's what we've got to do. We've got to advance in every one of them. That, that, that's, that's the whole point. You follow that? Okay, so uh, let's see. Give me, give me the next screen there, guys. And uh, this one is, uh, this was true, and good marriages don't just happen. How many of y'all agree with this? They are built. And uh, so let's just jump in. Here's what we're going to talk about the next couple of days. 
We're going to talk tonight about advancing your marriage takes time. That's where we're going to start tonight. Advancing your marriage takes time, and we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to have a split session, and Beth and I are going to both uh, teach in the split session about advancing our marriage together alone. All right, and that's got a little wink-wink to it, so you don't want to miss that session. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll talk about right thinking, and Saturday morning about talking. Now, this is the keys to advancing your marriage. Now, First Peter says, here's how you win in marriage. Let's just think about it before we jump here a little further. First Peter says, the way you win in marriage, and you could sum it up in two ways, and, and, and you help me here. The first one is to ladies, because he starts with ladies, and he says, wives, here's how you win in your marriage. You win through your spirit. Okay, you with me, ladies? And men, he says, here's how you win. You win through your honor. So wives, you got to win your husband. You win at marriage through your spirit. Uh, can, you, uh, can you touch on that briefly? It's not the whole message, but, but touch for the ladies. Explain what we mean by that. Sure. Girls, um, in the first verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says that if you have an un, um, a husband who obeys and not the word, and many times when we hear this preached, we hear it preached that this husband is an unbeliever. And it could be. It could be that your husband is an unbeliever. It could also be that your husband isn't obeying the word. How many of you are married to a perfect man? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, none of us are married to a perfect man. And there will always be times in our husband's lives where, at least in our perspective, they are not doing right. But the Bible tells us that we need to win them, not by opening our mouths and pouring out all of our frustration, but by our spirit. And the Bible calls it a meek and quiet spirit. It's, it's actually a spirit that is at rest. And a lot of times we think, girls, that we are, we're doing really good because we didn't open our mouth, but what are we doing? We're banging around in the kitchen, slamming cupboard doors, banging those pots and pans, and your husband's like, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. But we're not fine because our spirit is not at rest. The, um, the word quiet, actually, um, the Greek word means to keep one's seat. And we would say in our culture, know your place. Know the time that is best to open your mouth to your husband. Know the time that is best to say, you know what, I'm a little bothered by this. But in, in all the rest of the time, our, our spirit is meek and quiet. It's at rest, mm -hmm. and it keeps its seat. That's, that's, that's really good, isn't it? And so, men, then here's what the Bible says for me and you. He says the way that we win in this passage is that we win through honoring our wives. In the same way that our wife's spirit helps our marriage to win, my honor to her helps our marriage to win. And, and, you know, in, in a sense, you almost think that's a given, wouldn't you? Of course I love her. But, but notice, uh, he has to experience, the point of 1 Peter 3 is that he has to experience your spirit in order for him to be what he ought to be. The point Peter's making is she has to experience my honor. It's not enough for me to say, yes, I honor her. I work long hours, don't I? And I pay the bills, don't I? I mean, we got a nice house, no? It's not enough for me to say it. She has to experience it. And that's the point Peter's making here. So husbands, if we're going to win, we have to honor our wives. And he says it in this simple way. He says, you have to give, uh, you have to dwell with her according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. Now, what, what does that mean? Maybe, maybe, maybe it really does simply refer to the fact of how different we are. Uh, typically, now there, there's differences in all of us, in, 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 in generally speaking, but the fact of the matter is that emotionally, often, God designed the lady to be weaker. She feels things more readily. One of, the most, one of the most challenging things I ever noticed about my wife was, if one of my children are out of line and I get on to one of my children, she feels it. I'm not that way at all. He deserves it. I will... <laughs> I, I, I will hit, I, when I get done with him, I'll, I'll knock him in the middle of the next week, you know? Y'all with me on that? That doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit. But my wife feels it. See, God designed her emotionally and, and even maybe physically. I, I think I'm stronger than Bethley. Uh, now, that's not always the truth. I, I've met a few ladies. My granny was one. She could take my papa on a heartbeat. 
Uh, she was 6'2", weighed about 200 and some. He was 5'6", and weighed 140. And, uh, and if she couldn't take him, she'd shoot him. I mean, she, she's, she, she is a rough lady. She actually, She's serious. She actually would. I mean, she actually went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law uh, when I was in the sixth grade. So y'all want to just praise God for your mother-in-law for a moment? Because chances are she never shot at you. But my, my granny shot at her daughter-in-law, and it was, it was, that's a whole other story. But the point is, husbands, you're to honor her. And, and so here's, we, we want to be careful about time here tonight, but we want to jump in and just show you. We want to talk about this matter of time. How do you advance your marriage? What Peter's trying to say is, it's going to take time for you to learn in every stage of life as a wife to have a meek and quiet spirit Amen. to where you win your husband. What he's saying to us men, in every stage of life, it's going to take time for us to learn how to honor our wives. You know, that newlywed stage is gone. Now she's expecting your baby. That's a different stage of life, and you have to honor her through that stage. And, you know, like our, our son, our son Matthew, the youth pastor in Alabama, and they're newlyweds. That's a new stage. But, but he's been very sick for two months, and the diagnosis they have, they at least think he has, what they think he they haven't fully proved it, is a pretty serious, it's heavy so he's got this new bride that is all of a sudden having to advance their, this is a new stage, a very serious disease. It's, it, we all face life that way. That's not uncommon, but it's going to take time. And, and three things I'll teach you tonight. All right, here's the first one. All right, we have a, if you want to take notes, here it is on the screen. Here's the first one. Peter is saying you start by understanding your differences. That's what he's saying. How do you win in marriage, all right? It's going to take time, but you've got to understand your differences. And I just love this. How many of you are aware of the fact that uh, we're different as husbands and wives? How many of y'all are aware of that fact? Is that, is that a given? Are y'all on the same? Now, the culture you live in says there's no difference between guys and girls. In fact, if you don't like one, you can become the other. But I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that at all. You know that, don't you? I mean, I, I think that's a given here. And we don't want to be political about any of that, but we do want to be biblical. And so what he's directing here is he's saying, look, men, especially men, you've got to work at understanding your wife. And the point of the first six verses is, wife, you've got to work at understanding your husband. Both and I found this, uh, I think this came from Gary Thomas, author Gary Thomas. Listen to this statement. He said, most issues between a husband and a wife are not unique to the marriage. They're unique to men and women in general. Now, that's worth our meditating on for a moment. You ever think like this, my husband? You ever think that way? Oh, my word, this woman I married. You, you, know, you know what happens in the average married uh, marriage when there's a divorce that takes place? You know what happens? In the average marriage where a divorce takes place and they get remarried, did you know it almost doubles their chances of getting a divorce a second time? If they marry a third time, it's 83% chance that the third marriage will end in divorce. Did you know after that, it's almost 100%? So a fourth marriage is almost guaranteed to end, and a fifth marriage is guaranteed to end. A ninth marriage ain't going to last. That statistically. Now, are there exceptions? I'm sure there are. I hope, I mean, if you've been married nine times, for crying out loud, I hope you can make the ninth one work. I mean, you're all with me on that one? But, but here, here's the whole point. The whole point is that sometimes we, we get this idea. If I'm not careful, I can think, you know what? Beth and I are struggling because my wife just, but the fact of the matter is, Gary Thomas helped me to see this. These things are not unique to my wife. They're unique to every woman in general. God made women and my wife's one of them. And God made men and her husband is one of them. You know what you find out? You can leave your spouse and marry another one. But, sir, if you marry another woman, you're going to find out she's just like the first one you married because she's a woman. And you can look for another husband, but you're going to find out he's just like the man you left because he's a man and men are pretty much the same. They, they really are. In fact, uh, we got a whole list here. Uh, generally speaking, men versus women. Bethlehem will help me with these. Here, here's a big one. Men complain that women are always trying to change them. Women complain that men never listen. <laughs> is, is that kind of true or not? Is that kind of true? Um, uh, Bethlehem and I like this one. Men usually offer solutions. Women want empathy. Isn't that generally true? How many of you guys, your wife ever come to you about something that she's concerned about and you told her what to do about it? Now there's two problems. Yeah. Are you all with me on that? 
there's the one she came with you about and now she's mad at you too because she didn't want you to fix it. She wanted you to show empathy. But what, ladies, watch this. You, you ever gone to your husband to get empathy and he tried to fix you and it made you mad? Yeah. But see, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Once I understood that God did not make her a man. She's not like me. And I just want to stop here for a moment and say, thank you, God. Amen. <laughs> you know me on that? But see, she's not like me. I can't expect her to be a guy. But I'm not a woman and she can't expect me to be one. Of course, Mom Dennis is in heaven. But it was amazing how that my wife could just get with her mom and, and they just mirror each other. You know, and Bethany's like, you know, you won't believe what happened. And mom is like, no, I don't believe what happened. Oh, my soul. And my wife comes to me and she says, you won't believe what happened. I'll tell you, tell you what we're going to do about this. We're going to kill somebody. <laughs> Are, you, you don't see the difference in that? And, and is there any possibility here for problems in a marriage and we're different like that? There's a whole bunch of them. I'll let you go through there. I don't know if we need to give all of them or not, but, but which one would you choose out of that list? We found a whole ton of the differences in men and women. I don't know which number you were. I was on number three, I think. So way at the top. Way down there. Okay. Men assume that women want advice and solution to problems, and women want someone to sincerely listen to them. That's very true. That's That's, right. That's 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 correct. I'm going to skip a couple here. Men banish problems by not bringing them up, and women forget problems by discussing them. Now, read that one more time. Just Did y'all hear that? (laughs) Generally speaking, is this true? Read that again. Men banish problems by not bringing them up. I got a problem. I'm not going to talk about it. But she has a problem. Women forget problems by discussing them. And you know what? She has to talk about it or she can't forget it. (laughs) She will hold it if she doesn't talk about it. And, And men were the opposite. And see, you understand why I'm saying that understanding our differences is going to take a lifetime? But if you're going to win at marriage, you've got to move into there and understand each other. Uh, what are a few others there? Men thrive on appreciation. Women thrive on communication, affection, and understanding. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, men believe a solution makes everyone feel better. Amen. Women believe the solution is sharing the emotion. Uh, That's so weird to me. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but it's true. I'm learning this. It's not weird at all, is it, girls? <laughs> no, okay. Um, let's see. Women have a stronger sense of taste and smell than do men. That is true. That's true. God designed her that way. Men have thicker skin, 25% thicker than do women. Isn't that interesting to think about? See, we're just different. Yeah, physically speaking. Which is why, guys, we have to be careful. We have to be more gracious about this. Our skin is thicker. So we can handle temperature changes maybe a little e- more easily. Her, her skin is thinner, so she gets cold and hot more easily than I do. See, there's just, it's just more different. Yep. Women have bigger memory centers in their brain than do men. Read that one again. <laughs> Read that again. How many, of you, how many of you men are, I mean, honestly, though, guys, is that not true? How many of you ever get in an argument with your spouse and she remembers things that you have no clue about? <laughs> You're like, I said that 23 years ago? Is, are, are, I, I, I didn't say that, but she's sure. Do, do you see how different we are? And here's, here's the whole point. I don't miss the point. Uh, Peter is writing to believers and saying, you know, you know what? You've got to understand each other. Your husband is not a woman, and you've got to win him. And, and, and your wife needs you to win her. And he, We're different, so here's why he's telling us, men, you've got to do it this way. Women, you've got to do it this way. Catch those. There's a few more there. Any others we ought to, ought to bring Let's up? Let's see here. Oh, women function better than men when they are sleep-deprived. Wow. Yes. yes. This is- God gave you that gift because he knew you were going to have children. <laughs> Let's see. Men are less likely to see a doctor. And when they do, they are more likely to lie to the doctor than are women. <laughs> is that true? We think it is true. Tell them why we think it's true. It's very true. Our Matthew, um, the son that my husband was just sharing about, Matt, has been very, very sick. And uh, when all of this first started snowballing, of course, being a mama of married children, I wanted to go. It's my boy. But he's not mine anymore. He belongs to Kareth. 
So I kept saying, do you want me to come? Do you want me to come? Nope, 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 we're fine, we're fine. This went on about a week, and about a week later, they were like, you can come. So mama went, and I went with him to a doctor's appointment, and we had finally, they are six months into this. They don't have an established primary care physician, and so they needed one. And so I went with him uh, to Hold on a, just a second. Go ahead. He's lost at this point. 30 some pounds he's he's he itches non-stop he you know he just and his he's yellow because his liver's not working right. he, uh, nausea, he, he can't eat i mean he's yes. got a he's got a list of pretty i mean pretty obvious serious symptoms she goes to the doctor with him yes and here's what happened so we're they let me go into the exam room which was amazing i haven't done that since he was like four but um so anyway i'm sitting in there and dr walker comes in and he says matt what's going on and this is matt's exact words <laughs> ah am i right <laughs> He, he's lost 30 some pounds and he's not sleeping. I, I almost spanked him. <laughs> I would have wanted to be there to see that. He's, he's 6'3". That would have been worth seeing. But this is very true. All right. Do you want me to read more? Uh, yeah, let good? me just see. What, what, what else we have here? We just, just we're different. By, by the way, I'm just curious here. Can you think of any others? Ways men are different from women and women are different from men? Just, I mean, we, we threw a lot at you there. Anything come to your mind? Men work in boxes as opposed to how do women? How would you say women work? Okay, yeah, yeah, there's, there's one task at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Close that box. Let me close that box. Yeah. And how many of you, how many of you men have experienced this? Your wife opens so many boxes that your brain is fried. It's never happened to you. And, and yeah, but see this, this, this is not to criticize each other. We're going to come to that in just a moment. We're just trying to show that we're different. Any, any other, any, any other come to your mind? Yes, sir. The nothing box. We have a nothing box. We have a nothing box and our wives do not. I, I enjoy that very much. Do you? Yes, sir. Our, our, it's true, ladies, your husband, God designed him in such a way that, that he needs a mental nap. That's the psychological word for it. A man to function properly has to have a certain amount of mental naps in which he does nothing, thinks nothing, and says nothing. And God didn't design you ladies that way at all. Typically, if you're saying nothing, there is a big problem because God designed you that way. Uh, here's a few others. Um, let's see. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking, do I want to mention any of these? You know, just we don't want to get sidetrack. Men believe it's important not to talk and women believe it's essential to talk. I thought that was kind of funny, which made me realize maybe that's why more men hunt than do women. Because hunting frequently means you can't talk, right? You just have to sit in the deer stand and say nothing. There's a lot of great women hunters, but by and large, more men do hunt than do women. Uh, we have a friend in West Virginia and he just took his, how old is she? Um, uh, she's seven. He took his seven-year-old daughter to his deer stand, and then he put out a Facebook post in the deer stand, and it was a selfie of him and his daughter, and he said, we haven't seen anything, but we've had some great conversations. <laughs> I thought that's just very typical right there. So, so here, here's the whole point. Here, here's the whole point. The point is that Peter is writing to us to say, we are not men, you are not women, and women are not men. And women to win at home, you've got to understand that your husband is different than you are. And husbands, you've got to understand that your wife is different than you are. And the two of you have to understand that and give it the time to do it. And I will add one more thing to this. What you've got to understand is that it's going to change. About the time you get it figured out in one season of life, the season changes. Uh, you know, Bethany and I, we, we, we do have a great marriage. We work at it all the time, but, but seasons come and go. There have been times in our ministry where it was a, a difficult time in the ministry, so that was hard on me, and that was a different season of our marriage even. Uh, I, I, know, I know that the menopause, when my wife started coming into this menopause stage at this age of her life and, um, and, and started experiencing emotions and frustrations, and, and, and it was a whole, it was like, 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 like who, is, who, who is this lady? And, uh, and we went on a date and we sat Thank at you. a, <laughs> we sat, uh, I need counseling. Um, we sat at a table at a, at, on a date one night, and my wife just poured her heart out about 
you know, honey, I don't know what's going on. I, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't feel like I'm, and I can't remember all that we said that night, but Bethany just poured her heart out to me. And, and honestly, here's, here's one big thing I've learned. Um, no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how much Bible you know, the fact of the matter is, apart from the Spirit of God, none of us can do this. I don't have the wisdom to know how to minister to my wife at this stage of her life. But I remember, brothers, sitting at that table, listening to my wife, pouring her heart out about all these emotional and hormonal changes, and she's frustrated, and, and, and she feels on edge, and, and things are bothering her. This never, she just was really frustrated. And I remember listening, and while she was talking, I remember asking the Spirit of God for wisdom. Now, I didn't, you know, I didn't excuse me, Lord, I, I didn't pray out loud. You know what I mean by that. But in my spirit, I was like, um, God, I, I don't know, help. God says in his word, if we lack wisdom, which is a Bible way of saying, if I don't know what to do. So I said, Lord, I need wisdom. And Bethany just pours her heart out to me. I'm, I'm her husband. And, and the Lord helped me because here's what I realized. Uh, this is a different time. And, and God gave me such wisdom, guys. It, it was really, uh, it, it was amazing how much wisdom the Lord gave me because he just prompted my heart just to let her know that it's okay. And I said to her, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I, don't, I don't understand this, but I will tell you this, I'm here for you. And no matter what's going on right now, I will never stop loving you. And, and we'll get through this together. If you need to see a doctor, we'll see a doctor, whatever we need to do because I'm on your side, and I love you, and nothing's going to change that. And you know what? Um, that was a, it was a memorable night in our marriage. It was a good date. I didn't have any answers. It wasn't like, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do 10 things and take care of this problem. Uh, I mean, I could have tried that route, but as you know, we wouldn't be here. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but see, I had to understand. Men, let me just ask you. Let me ask you men. I'm going to talk just to you men. How much time do you give and understanding the wife God gave to you. She's not your mom. She's not your sister. She's certainly not your brother. She's a woman designed uniquely by God for you. And here's what he says. You're to understand her. So, I mean, what, what do you know about your wife? Do you know why she is the way she is and why she responds the way she responds? It may be that she has an insecurity in her life and you've got to know about it. You know what insecurities are, right? You remember the Song of Solomon? You ever read that? You should. Song of Solomon is awesome love poem. But in the Song of Solomon, the first time the lady shows up in chapter one, here's what she has an insecurity. And she says, uh, I'm, I'm black, but comely. Now that word, that word black there doesn't mean she's African-American. The word literally means she's tanned. She says, I'm, I'm dark skinned. Now, you know, she's in the Middle East. So in the Middle East, she would have already been dark-skinned. But the point of the verse is she says she's been working out in the vineyards, and all of a sudden she's tanned. Uh, in, in the Middle East, if they get in the sun a lot, they get really, really dark. Now, if you go back and study the culture, if you were wealthy and you were part of the aristocracy, you didn't have to work outside. You were pale. The ladies that were pale... You knew, oh, there's a fine woman right there. She, does, she comes from fine stock. She's got a, a, a fine home. She's pale. She doesn't have to work out in the vineyard. But Solomon's, in this poem, the lady's like, I'm, I'm dark, I'm tanned. They've made me work out there, and I'm worried about going down to the palace and meeting all the ladies down there who are all pale. I'm all worried about this. You know what Solomon does? He understands that. So Solomon comes along in chapter one, and the first time Solomon speaks, you know what he says? He says, your cheeks are comely. And he describes them in beautiful terms. What's he doing? He's understanding her point. He knows her insecurity. He knows what's going on in her life. And God's given him wisdom about how to help her with that. So I'm asking you husbands, how about this first point here? We just got two more to give you. We'll be out by midnight. Uh, but... The other two are real quick, but start here. Men, ladies, how, how are you doing? Do you understand? What are you doing to try to understand your husband in this stage of his life? Maybe, maybe COVID cost him a job and he's having to start over and it's not easy. Maybe there's a cancer issue. 
Maybe he's hit midlife crisis and his testosterone drive is changing. And he, he, he struggles. He doesn't feel the energy he had when he was younger. I'm, I'm just telling you, what Peter is saying is, here's where we start. To win at marriage, you've got to understand we're different. And I'm going to add to that and say, in every stage of life. But there's a second thing I want you to see here. And the guy, well, we got to get these. we got to get these. I, I, are we different? Look at that. When women pack versus when men pack... And I, that almost was, I had to be careful about that one over there, but I thought it'd be okay. We're all married. How women see themselves and how men see themselves. Isn't that funny? Hey, look at this next one. Look at this next one. This one's good too. When mom is alone with the baby versus when dad is. Is that not true? And then I love that one over there. The mission is to go to Gap and buy a pair of pants. The red line is the lady. The blue line is the man. And uh, takes the man eight minutes and the female eight hours or something. I don't know. Look at this next one. Look at this one. This one's good too. A quiet man is a thinking man. A quiet woman is usually mad. And there's why does a woman feel upset? And it's just whatever. And uh, why does a man feel upset? Well, I think he lists three things there. Our team lost the game. Uh, somebody scratched my car. I'm hungry. <laughs> I think I've got two more here for you, at least two more. How do women choose shampoo versus how men do? Uh, I love the men. It says shampoo. And uh, look over there. When a woman thinks when she looks in a mirror versus what a man thinks, what does he think? I'm handsome. And uh, she's got a whole list. And how do we see colors as women versus men? I love this last one. Getting a haircut. Men, the before and the after. looks pretty much the same. But a woman, it's... It, uh, 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 the, the before and after of a man is obviously different. The women, it's the same before and after. That's, there's some truth of that in there. And, and the women is ex crazy expensive. Um, we're different. You see the point? We're different. Even the world knows we're different. Even the memes know we're different. And God certainly does. You all with me? All right, we got two things here and our time's gone. Here's the point Paul Peter is making. We have to apply our understanding to our season of life. We have to apply our understanding to our season of life. Now, sweetheart, let's not miss anything here. Uh, these are a matter of different. Differences are a matter of different, not better or worse. Okay? It's not better or worse. It's different. Do I have that as a screen, guys? Is that a... Yeah, this is a matter of different. It's not better or worse. Sometimes we men will we'll roll our eyes about our wife. Oh, my word, the woman I married. Stop it, brothers. Stop it. This is not, it's, it, it's, it's not better or worse. It's just different. It's not that you're better because you're a man and she's worse because, or vice versa. No, we're, we're different designed by God. And, and, and even in the Garden of Eden, he says that, doesn't he? Male and female made he them. From the very beginning, women were not men, men were not women. And our point is you've got you've to apply that in every season of life. Uh, it, it takes time to work through these differences. Don't judge the difference. Don't judge them. Don't try to change them. Don't try to make them go away. And uh, I think these were your notes right here. Expect them, accept them, and, and respect them. Talk to us about that just a moment. Well, you already know that there's going to be differences, so you should expect them. Instead of when you get married thinking, why would you do that that way? Then just expect there's going to be differences. Obviously, many of us have been married a long time in the room, right? How many of you have been married at five years or more? So you already know this. You already know this, but maybe you're like me, ladies, and... Sometimes those differences show up and, and it still surprises you. Why? <laughs> Why does it surprise us that our husbands act differently than we do in different seasons of life? So expect them, accept them, and even respect them. Now, does this not give us any room to grow? It does, still. It doesn't mean that we have to accept and respect um, behavior that is not 
that doesn't line up with the Bible. Which is the point he's making here, isn't it? Right. Um, it's not that we have to be like, well, he always treats me that way and it's kind of rude, but I just have to respect that. That's not the point that we're making. The point is the difference. If it's a male and female thing, you expect it, you accept it, you respect it. So that if he is responding to you in that way of you're you're pouring your heart out to him, you're like, this happened today and this happened today and this happened today. And instead of him saying, oh, I'm sorry, honey, like we want him to say. <laughs> and he says, well, this is what you needed to do about that. Then respect it because he is responding to you like a guy would respond. And so you just accept it, you respect it, and you say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Would it be okay if we try not to fix it right now and I just tell you and how you know the what? day went? When my wife started doing that to me, it helped our marriage. Yes. When she came to me and said, I don't want you to fix this. I just want to share something with you right now. And I got to tell you, ladies, when she says that to me, there's part of me that's still like, okay, not going to fix this. I'm just listening. I can handle this. My blood pressure's up, but I can do this. But see, that's, that's how God designed us. And isn't that the point? Don't, don't think for a moment, well, we're in this messed up marriage and he's just different than I am. That's all there is to it. Bethley's right. The point Peter is making in this text is, no, when things aren't what they ought to be in a marriage, the fact of the matter is there's a way to win your husband to get him to, to be on the right path. And God gives us all kinds of tools for that. He gives you your spirit. We're going to talk Saturday morning about your talk. There's a right way to talk about issues. There's a wrong way to talk about issues. Don't we often have problems with issues because like, you know what you did? You. Aren't we all that kind of that way? And when an issue comes up, we get defensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ready? You really? You serious? Bring it on. You want to fight? I'll fight. You ready for this? We all are that way. But what the Bible teaches us is there's a right way to talk. There's a right way to have a conversation about these things. There's a right, right way to respond to your husband. There's a right way for me to respond to her. And when we put the two, we're at a couple's retreat, and y'all are here together, I'm assuming because you came together. <laughs> that's pretty deep, wasn't it? I mean, it's pretty, pretty intelligent right there, as you can tell. But the fact of the matter is, if you put both of these together to where you as a husband are trying to understand your wife... And wife, you're trying to understand your husband. And you're with a meek and quiet spirit trying to win him. And with your honor, trying to show her love and honor as a weaker vessel. You know what you get? You get an amazing marriage. There's, there's, there's a jump ahead there, guys, to my last point, would you? Um, we've got to become a master at meeting each other's needs. Isn't that what he's trying to say here? She has a need, so I've got to become a master at that. And, uh, and, and she's got to become a master at meeting my needs. Right. And Peter is writing to us to say, look, you know what? Uh, my, my friend, Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen, he says that faults in your spouse, does your, does your spouse have any? <laughs> I always love the hesitation. Dare I say this? Uh, Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen said that faults in your spouse are, are arrows. Faults in your spouse are arrows pointing to a need that God intends for you to meet. So we can throw up our hands and go, oh my word, I can't believe she's this way. Well, if your spouse has a fault, you've got to become a master at meeting her need. If he has a fault, you've got to become a master at meeting his needs. There are some generals, aren't there? Some general truths. Um, I'll talk to you men a moment, let Bethley talk to you ladies, and we'll be done. Generally speaking, uh, a younger a spouse, oftentimes a, a younger man, uh, don't, don't be offended by this, but oftentimes a younger man, his need is, is the bedroom. It is sex. Because God designed the average young man with high testosterone levels, and he's living in a world that is always trying to get him to think wrong, to look wrong, to be wrong, to do wrong. He's surrounded by a sexually charged, inappropriate, ungodly world. And you take a Christian husband that's trying to do what's right, he's bombarded. And there's only one way that that desire that God put in him that is so strong, only one way it can be met. And that's with his spouse. Only one righteous way to meet it. 
and 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 that's probably his greatest need for the average young younger husband. That's probably his greatest need. And and we say, well, we got children. Oh, I know, we're busy. I get it. But I've got to work at becoming a master at meeting her needs, and she's got to become a master at meeting mine. How many of y'all know that if we are not masters, we're usually disasters? Is that not right? When we don't master meeting each other's needs, our marriages become disasters. And you can stay married for 50 years and have a disaster of a marriage. Or you can move into First Peter and understand each other. And husbands, uh, you, 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 you can understand her and wives, you can understand him. And you can have something beautiful. Ladies, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the average younger husband's need oftentimes is, uh, is the bedroom. It's sexuality. As, uh, as a man gets older, it very well may be that his greatest need is patience. His brain doesn't work as fast, and he's starting to slow down, and he doesn't hear as well, and, and he's got so much stuff in his brain that, that he can't think straight half the time, and, <laughs> and he doesn't hear what you said, and he's having, you're having to repeat yourself. You know what? We can look at our spouse at all stages of life and throw up our hands and roll our eyes and sigh and complain about it. Or a wife can say, this is my husband's needs, and I'm going to do everything I can to meet that need. What, what, what's a wife's greatest need? I, I would say, at least in, in my experience, it is connection, awareness, and assurance. We desire that connection from our husband. And there are busy stages of life in every season of life. We were just talking with the Herbsters at dinner how that you think when you have those little ones all around you that you are the busiest you will ever be. And then they all grow up and you're still super busy. And I even hear retirees say to me, boy, we're busy. So always there are busy times in our life, but there there is great wisdom in getting those times of connection, no matter when it is. It may be a daily thing. Maybe you're going to sit down and have coffee every day. Maybe you're going to take a time to pray together every day. Maybe it's a once a week date or a once a month date, but that's what women desire. We like this face-to-face time. And sometimes, husbands, you can be so frustrated that that first need that David was talking about isn't being met. But often, if a wife is not having the connection outside of the bedroom, it's very hard for her to make that connection inside the bedroom. And vice versa, ladies, um, your husbands might be trying to meet that need in your life, and you're not meeting needs in his life. So you, those go both ways. And then a wife just needs awareness and assurance at every season of life. When David was sharing that time that we went on the date and I felt like I was absolutely losing my mind (laughs) and I didn't know what was going on with me and I just poured it all out to him and he just assured me, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but I'm here for you and I love you. Women need that at every stage of life. Um, If you're very largely pregnant, I've been there and you feel like, man, I'm as big as a barge. It's a wonderful (laughs) thing when your husband is like, I think you're beautiful. That's an amazing thing. Just that assurance and that security over and over and over again, that you, she knows that you're aware of her. Yes. And that makes that connection, that awareness, that assurance, that security goes a long way in ladies' lives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys, ladies and guys, we just have to be aware of each other. We have to study each other and understand each other. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Bible. You have brothers and sisters. Ladies, somewhere there's a Titus 2 woman that could help you. Guys, somewhere there's a Titus 2 man that could help you. And, and most of the time, we just hope for the best and float through life. But God's called us to win at home. Let's advance our marriage in every stage of life. So let's just evaluate. It's our first night together. Let's just evaluate. Uh, how's your spouse doing? And what are you doing to make sure they're doing great? How, how, what, what are your spouse's needs? What are you doing to meet them at this stage of their life? Are you loyal to each other? Are you understanding the differences and giving grace? It works. It works. Bethlehem's mom and dad are in heaven. They, they, they both have passed away now. And one of the things I learned from Bethlehem's parents was that this does work. They had a sweet marriage. They were married for years. And um, dad was always aware of her needs. She was always aware of his. 
They were fun, flirty, happy. She always sat on the front row. He was the pastor. He always called her hot lips. He'd say, my hot lips and I were out soul winning yesterday. And he just said that all the time. But you knew they were in love. You knew that. We were at their table one night with all of our kids. There was 11 grandkids, weren't there? 12 grandkids. And we're at the table, a huge table at their house. And in the middle of the meal, we're having dessert or something. And he had, you know, I don't know, a pie with whipped cream on it or something. He always put, you know, mounds of whipped cream on anything. And uh, he just kind of smirked at all of us and took whipped cream and put it on her nose. And my mother-in-law was a high-class lady. I mean, she was first-class everything. And we were all like, oh. He just goes, boop, with whipped cream. And she looked at him, and she was like, oh, yeah? Boop. And, and they were like, boop, boop, boop. And then Dad was like, now, can I lick that off? And we were all like, we're going home. <laughs> in the car, kids, in the car. But you know what? We laugh at that. And was it funny? It was. But it was also incredibly wonderful. Because God wants my marriage and yours to be that sweet, that loving, that loyal, that amazing. You know how you're going to get there? You've got to understand your differences. You've got to apply them in every stage of life. And you've got to become a master at meeting each other's needs. Okay? Question or comment? Yes, sir. You know, part of this is the challenge of being able to know and articulate your own needs, even for men. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have an itch in my back and I'm like, scratch my back and I can't tell you where it is, you just get no. frustrated. Yeah. Which is. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. Yes, sir. And you're right, which is why we're going to do one session on Saturday about communication. <laughs> because it's right. Because sometimes couples have needs in their life and they don't never communicate them because, and I guess maybe women are more apt to communicate than we men are. But men, sometimes we expect our wives to be aware of our needs, but we've never shared them. That's a real problem. So we're going to talk about that. That's a very good point. Y'all good? All right. Now come in the morning. Yes, sir. She's still slapping you again. <laughs> I think I think I'm still learning on understanding her, but I think one of the things is is I'm, I'm holding on to submission to her as you know, her being a, a wife and a female, and accepting that. But I don't understand how I can hear this, and I'm still trying to figure her out. <laughs> I can answer that for you. If you didn't hear what he just said there, he said, I don't understand how I can hear this, but yet I'm still trying to figure her out. The point of the matter is that this is a lifelong process. There will never come a point in your life, my brother, to where you will have her figured out. And I will tell you why. Because God designed her to change. And she will. She'll change with the seasons of life. And so will you. Like, you know, we, we change, our bodies change, our, our, our mental health changes, our, our, our needs change. And, and God called you at every stage of life to be a student of hers, which is why he says for you in this text, you're to dwell with her according to knowledge, which means it, we, men joke about that all the time. There's a book you can buy at Barnes and Nobles. It's that thick. And it says everything men know about women, you can buy that book. It's like 300 pages and every page is blank. Okay, it's a ha-ha, ha-ha, okay. But it's also dumb. I mean, it's a joke, and I'm okay with joking. You know, I like to laugh. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you don't have to understand women in general. All you have to do is, by God's grace and God's power, take the next however many years you're married to your sweetheart there and become a student of understanding, why is my wife the way she is? Why does she respond the way she does? 
what what does she prefer? What does she hate? What 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 does she like? What can I meet needs in her life to help her become more and more like Jesus every day of her life? And if the two of you get together and she does the same thing in your direction, you do that in her direction. Well, the fact of the matter is that makes an amazing, 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 happy marriage. So, yeah, yeah. Keep understanding each other. Keep understanding each other. Yes, sir, brother. We may or may not agree on my theories or whatever, but all that really doesn't matter if you just accept, and that's what you guys are talking about. It is, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to understand it. You just have to accept this is how this is, and I we need to adapt together to uh, you know just work work this thing out. You know. That's correct. You said you were kind of a nerd, yeah, oh, or a nerd. I mean, I mean, which is it? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves you. Do you just see that? I love that. I love that. Thank you guys for letting us teach you. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to be talking. I'll be talking to you men. We'll do a split session. I'll talk to you men together, and Bethany will talk to you ladies together. And uh, we really want to be a blessing and help to you. Bethany and I are not experts. Uh, I can tell you that we've studied marriages for years. We work at it. We, we read everything we can get our hands on about it. If we can serve you in a specific way as a couple, uh, we are here for you these next three days. And uh, we would do anything we could to help you. We may not have all the answers, but we will, if we can't give you answers, we will point you in a direction to where by God's grace and God's help, you can find the answers you need. God's on your side and he sure loves you and he loves your marriage and he wants you to win. Okay, Brother Mike. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. It is our prayer that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have never experienced salvation through Christ alone, would you please reach out to us? You can contact us through our website at www.southlandcamp.org or call our camp office at 318-894-9154. See you next time on the Southland Podcast.